Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 1420 Podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's Sunday morning. I have had about seven pots of coffee. Only? Only seven. Well, we can probably power through two more while I'm here. <laughs> I'm good, man. I, uh... Have been nerding out. Yes. Like in an incredible way. This is the, this is the, probably going to be the nerdiest episode we've ever had. And I did not realize the magnitude of the rabbit holes that would be involved in preparing for this episode. I was up until I think two o'clock last night, just, I mean, not necessarily transfixed, but just sort of like, chasing down obsessed obsessed chasing down one rabbit hole after another so i'm a little the reason i've had seven pots of coffee is because i was a little i mean both intrigued but also sort of really trying to put a button on our topic for today's show so i'm feeling a little i'm feeling a little like strung out and when you get that excited about a topic as tired as you are you also get well not just you but we people get oddly amped about it i know just woo! yeah so <laughs> i i had a similar experience such that when I, I went to bed last night not at two but at a more reasonable time um <laughs> and i was so tired so this morning i woke up it was light out i threw my blankets off looked at my phone and i'm on this group chat that that tends to yield a lot of text messages so i looked at my phone because i was convinced it was monday and on Monday, I have to be out of the house before the sun is up. I know this. So I saw a bunch of text messages. The sun was out. Didn't even look at the time. Raced from bed. Started throwing on my clothes. And Sam was sleeping on the couch because uh, she got up early with the baby. Well, the kid. Uh, and so she was back asleep on the couch. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm so late for work. Why didn't you wake me up? She's like, it's Sunday. Baby. I was like, oh, it's Sunday. Come your tits. And I went and got back in bed for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, you texted me at, I think, 6 this morning. And I think I woke up pretty early. But you, I, I woke up to multiple text messages from you. I have no memory of doing that. That was in a sleepy stupor. <laughs> I was still trying to figure out what was happening. I was so disoriented. I don't do that very often. But when I do, it, it throws off my morning. So I got up a little bit later, reset, watched some TV, had a couple pots of coffee, getting going and i followed up on on some work on uh on this episode just to try to tidy up what i was doing and uh yeah it was a weird way to start my day but now we're good now we've got coffee we've got dew we've got delicious heavy whipped cream it's like drinking a cocktail yeah no it's fantastic i you know i've got one of these um one of these milk frothers it's a a super cheap thing you pick up off of amazon it's 20 bucks but it heats the cream and then and then froths it. Creme, creme. Uh, it, it's not as good as a as a steamer or a wand. Yeah. Y- you know, a wand. Yeah, that's right. That, that you'd have on a commercial espresso machine. But those things are are pretty expensive for home use. I mean, I think you're in the hundreds of dollars to get one that actually functions. Uh, but for a close second, this thing's twenty bucks on Amazon, um, and it makes this rich, creamy. I mean, it's also heavy whipping cream, so let's be serious here. And it's heavy whipping yeah. cream. I, I had an espresso machine that had a, a wand, and basically all it gave you was hot watery milk. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to do that right, yeah. it takes it takes some technology. So I don't know what the technology is. I don't really care. I just know that I looked at them. It's not related to quartz movements, so I don't care. It, yeah. Well, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't researching quartz movements at the time. I was just trying to do a thing where I didn't end up spending four hundred dollars on a milk frother. So because I drink my coffee black by and large. Yeah, I do. Except I do when too. I put Tullamore Dew in it, mm-hmm. and then I want that. Yeah, you got to get some more creamy because it's got such a good woody flavor and you combine that with like the creaminess. Y'all, if you're not doing this every Sunday morning, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? What are you doing? First up, I have to address an iTunes review that we have. It is from Stinging Ace. Yeah. Have you read it? I have. Well, what I want to address is that he posed a question. How do we connect with the hosts? So Stinging Ace hit us up on Instagram. You're likely going to be talking to Everett because I don't I don't do Instagram very good uh, or really any social media very good. Everett does. Connect with us that way or shoot us an email. We've got an email address. 40and20blog at gmail.com. 40and20blog at gmail.com. At the time we made that email address, I assumed there would be a blog that went with this. <laughs> yeah, as it turns out, we're just, just <laughs> taking pictures and talking shit. <laughs> So the yeah no for sure the two the the single best way to get a hold of us is via Instagram no doubt about it um, but yeah forty and twenty blog at gmail we check that multiple times per week but there will be some delay I mean I'm on it I'm on the gram ten twenty times a day. hours or so a day twenty hours that's right um, you, you know so if you you know that's by far the quickest most direct way to get a hold of us I did look up stinging ace I wasn't able to find an Instagram handle that that appeared to be the same guy so uh we did try to reach out to you there's no as far as i know there's no functionality for me to comment Mm-mm. on that itunes post so yeah 40 and 20 blog at gmail.com or just at 40 and 20 on instagram that's gonna be your best bet all the time yep hit us up thanks to have thanks for reaching out i'm glad S- to have you slide into the dms uh, w- one other thing he noted Is that he- a euphemism uh yeah okay yeah (laughs) one other thing he noted he took umbrage with our review of um wheel of time and said you guys it gets slow in the middle but stick with it okay i'm sure that's right uh sorry about that if you know what wheel of time is then you know what i'm talking about and if not co-sign on his complaint good lord let us know so we're talking about quartz watches we're talking about watches we are quartz watches we are and we're diving right into it because as you might have guessed from everett's intro this is a heavy topic this is a big topic this it's, is this is more than likely than not going to be our densest topic but we're going to keep it fun i hope we can keep it fun because this shit is not fun yeah it is well it's fun yeah no you're right it's fun but it's it was kind of not i mean it was kind of intense to research for this i felt more intense than i've ever felt before researching for a, a show the stakes are high we have a thousand instagram followers everyone and in light oh. of our thousand instagram followers oh. we have a special surprise we still have to work out the 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 final details on it and we will update you via instagram in the next week or so on what we're going to do to celebrate our thousand instagram followers that was a double snap yeah y'all. what up what up thank you for all your engagement please Keep engaging with us. I imagine this was a listener idea, our quartz movements. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It was just something that sort of came to me because oh. you failed to do your job and you hit me up and said, what are we going to talk well, about? Well, I had and... some ideas, but I, I like to solicit your input. But keep keep sending us <laughs> ideas. We, we were texting last night and our goal is to not have to come up with any 
show ideas of our own. So that's my personal goal because then I can do absolutely minimal effort. Uh, but also, I, we like engaging with you guys. We like answering the questions that you have because they're likely questions that we have because most of you are far smarter than we are, know more about this than we do. So if you've got a question, it's certainly a question that we didn't even know we had. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And we've got some good recommendations for shows. You know, it's one of those things where you have to sort of, um, you have to become inspired. So it's not just that the idea is good, but that you have to also be inspired by the idea. You know, we've got a recommendation right now out there, a good recommendation to do Swedish watch brands. And I've yet to be inspired by that. Um, but I, I've brought it up a couple times. I think we should do it. We'll do it eventually. We have not done it yet. <laughs> no, not yet. But it's on the horizon. So shall we get into the main topic? Dude, let's do it. Let's. Let's do it. So so I think that it's maybe important before we start to talk about what a quartz watch is to just sort of really quick bullet point of the history of a watch movement. What is a watch movement? How does it work? Do it. Do me. So so a watch is just a measure of time based on a known oscillation frequency. Any, any sort of clock is a measure of time based on a known oscillation frequency. So, you know, whether that's a pendulum-based grandfather clock. Or a candle that burns at a uniform rate. Well, yeah, I suppose you <laughs> could do that. <laughs> Maybe the least precise method I've heard. Um and so it's a it's a capturing of that known oscillation. So you, you know the pendulum or, or the foliot. I think that's how you pronounce that word. Perhaps folio. I wouldn't know how else to say it. Um, but but these sort of predecessors to the modern. I say modern with finger quotes in the air. Um, hairspring balance spring escapement mechanical movement. The predecessors to these relied on heavy weights to move an oscillator or to, to regulate an oscillator and, and so you, you know if you can imagine a pendulum clock on a on your wrist is going to be highly susceptible to movement and, and frankly it's not going to work at all and, so it needs gravity and, and putting those things on boats was hugely problematic for very obvious reasons for very obvious reasons yeah and it was it was actually navigation and boats that drove the development of the of the hairspring the the balance spring uh system to instead of swing something or, or rely on gravity to pull something down at a constant rate rather to use the the winding of that balance spring and and, and the weighted wheel the weighted momentum of that of that a wheel to um to regulate timepieces. So because of the 360 degree movement, they were able to capture more accuracy with positional variance and gravitational mm -hmm. variance. Because it's relying on the release of tension held by spring or other material That's right. to uniformly release energy. And and, and it's it's a 360 degree rotation right so mm -hmm. so you're you're spreading that rotation and instead of instead of 180 degrees or 90 or whatever whatever that winds up being um it, instead of limiting your your rotation to a to being to being dependent on gravity mm -hmm. and, and and b to being a fixed part of a circle you're, you're spreading it out over the whole circle so so now instead of being one dimensional you're you're i guess two dimensional perhaps and maybe that's inaccurate, but 
think I, I I think that's a that's a good way to describe it. You're working in a multiple axis as opposed to just one. That, that's yeah. right. And and so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we've got these incredibly accurate devices. Uh, but there's problems with the hairspring, with the balance spring system, uh, in, in particular, positional variance, mm-hmm. isochronism. I think that's how you pronounce that word. It's a word I've seen written a hundred times, but never heard anyone say it out loud besides myself. Because it'd be weird to hear people say that word out loud with any kind of regularity. Uh, isochronism is the the difference in isochronism? pulsation. Isochronism. Yeah. Isochronism is the difference in positional variance depending on the amount of wind you have. So mm-hmm. fully wound versus, you know, 30% wound, you're going to have a, a difference in your oscillation rate. Mm-hmm. And that's going to affect your timekeeping abilities. Temperature is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Hairsprings are made out of metal. Metal is incredibly susceptible to temperature variation Mm -hmm. uh positional variance gravity all of that stuff all of that stuff affects a mechanical movement in in a pretty incredible way so moisture magnetism the the list goes on people that's right that's right so sometime in the 40s 50s ish this company this american company killer american company called Bulova says what if we use a higher beat rate what if we use a tuning fork a tuning fork that is going to vibrate instead of uh, a relatively slow 28.8. Uh, we'll, we'll do a, a faster vibration, 362 hertz. And, and that is going to get rid of some of these problems. And it did. Boom. Boom. So Bulova changes the world. <clears throat> As we've heard multiple times, Bulova changes the world with this tuning fork movement. Now, if you've ever heard... heard one of these old Bulova Acurus movements. Um, you, you perhaps have heard that. They hum. They hum because it's a very slow or relatively slow oscillation rate. I want one so bad. I know. <laughs> I love listening to to watch movements. I'm not a huge fan of listening to um, the, the, the SNK. The whoosh, whoosh. Not a big fan of that. But I like I lo- it. I like it. It's a little loud for me, but I love listening to movements and listening to a movement hum would be one of the most pleasing experiences of my life. Yeah, no, you know, when I had uh when I had that I, I built that strap for that old Acurist, that vintage Acurist. And we had the chance. Y- yeah, that's right. Um it, it 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 was just a very cool movement. Um but I didn't become intrigued by the movement until just after we did that episode. And I feel like kind of missed out on, on some of the neatness. Probably. Yeah. Um, so, so that tuning fork, that, that metal tuning fork has some of the same issues, but you gain some intrinsic stability, Mm -hmm. stability by way of the beat rate, by way of the, by way of the frequency. Right. So right. so you increase that frequency and all of a sudden you're less susceptible to gravity. You're less susceptible to positional variance and you're less susceptible to isochronism mm-hmm. because you're applying voltage at a constant rate to that tuning fork and making it shift. So here's what I want to talk about a little bit. I want to talk about why quartz is better. So we, we know we have the tuning fork. Yep. Sometime in the 60s, a couple companies discovered quartz movements. Yep. Right. 
And in particular, I think Seiko. Seiko is among one of the industry leaders. And, and, and Seiko becomes involved in athletics and timing of sports events. And they eventually, I think, sponsor the Olympics. Uh, the year Quartz was released. The they sponsored the Olympics. And, and so they start releasing, at that time, clocks. And, and at the time they did it, I think they made a clock that was something like a Quartz movement for a clock that was something like 1 400th the size of the previous Quartz movement. That's tiny. It, it's or, little, right? So they take this thing that it's you... It's like the relative difference between your, your computer and the first computer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So all of a sudden, they change the world. And they discover that if you take a crystal, a quartz crystal... Which, by the way, they grow their own. Uh, yeah, a which lot is, of... which, which is crazy to me. I, I had in my head, even though I knew this, I had in my head that quartz was still like a mind... Uh, resource <laughs> you got guys with yeah black and i don't know why i was thinking face. that because i know that crystals are grow yeah and i know they can be grown but for some reason i still had in my head these dudes who have the market cornered on watch quartz just mining in deep earth pits i don't know why but i'm i'm way too old to to still have thought that but just for the record to in the last couple of days is when it occurred to me that no they grow they grow quartz crystals for watch purposes. Yeah, that's right. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so so it's all of a sudden now we've got this new technology. Seiko's made quartz crystals, and, and they weren't the only ones, right? This People knew. Here we are. We are on the verge of something great. And, and so all of a sudden now we have a crystal that vibrates at 32 kilohertz, or specifically 32,768 Beats per, per second, second yeah. which is which is a very specific number. And do you know why why that number is what it is? I don't know why. I mean, I understand it's because of the of the density and of the chemical makeup of the crystal that when it, an electric charge is introduced to it, it oscillates at a uniform rate. I don't know why that happens, but I, I understand the overarching. So, so there's really a combination of two reasons. And I watched a YouTube video about this where the fellow will link to this, but uh, where the fellow says, those of you who know your factors of two will recognize that this is two to the 15th power. And I thought, who the fuck? <laughs> who? who yeah, recogn- I'm the asshole here. <laughs> uh, so it, this is two to the 15th power. The first reason is we need in order to make this movement inaudible, we need to get over 20,000 kilohertz or 20 kilohertz, 20,000 hertz. Um, because hmm. up to 20,000, it, it's audible. So so our 400 or our 362 hertz uh, accurate movement, when you put it up to your ear, you hear that beep. Uh, and that's the quartz oscillating. You can, yes. Interesting. Right. At a resonant frequency. That is its natural resonant frequency. And it makes a tone, a very pure tone. Um, uh, up to 20,000, that's audible to the human ear. Above that, we can't hear it anymore. Dogs, maybe, but not us. Oh. 32,768 beats per second is the first power of two oscillation. So it's two to the 15th power. And and it's the first one over 20,000. So they've taken the, the first power of two oscillation. So if you take one... If you take one and and multiply it as a power of two 15 times, uh, math people, I'm sorry, I'm butchering this, uh, but but 
essentially two to the 15th power. Now, the reason it has to be a power of two is because by a, a system of 14 step downs, two to the power of 15, 14 flip-flops, they reduce that number by half until you get to one beat per second. So they step it down 14 times until they get one beat per second. It's got to be a power of two or you don't ever get to one. That's my understanding. The glazed look you're you're, <laughs> you're the glazed look you're witnessing is is it's tangible. Is in deep thought. That makes sense. I think I understand. So all of a sudden now we're moving something very fast. You thought 362 was fast. Hold up. We're going to go really fast. We're going to go so fast that it's going to be virtually unaffected by gravity by isochronism, by positional variance, and by temperature, virtually unaffected by temperature. In fact, quartz crystals are one... Okay, so here, here this... Let, let's Hit do, me. Some, let's do me. some science. Coefficient of thermal expansion, CTE. This is every material's natural property to expand or contract with, with heat, with temperature variance. Okay. Quartz crystals have one of the lowest CTEs of any material on Earth. Interesting. So they are naturally, inherently very resistant to temperature. So we go from steel, which is all over the place, as you know, with temperature, to quartz crystals. So the second a quartz movement is invented, we have something that can operate at the same rate of accuracy per year or per month, excuse me, per month that mechanical movements could do per day. So I, I think that's quartz like, crystals wear out. Well, they do. They do wear out. They do wear out. But the quartz crystal is going to last a lot longer than all the electrical components. Than the circuitry. Yeah. That's right. Um, so yeah, this is big. Already the very first quartz movement is like uh, 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 several orders of magnitude more resistant to all of the external and intrinsic stability issues that we had with mechanical movements. Questions, comments, concerns? I've taken over and I apologize. Whew. I think you'll have your opportunity later. Whew. No, I am about as on board with what just happened as you are. <laughs> so, so, all, so we've got this quartz movement wonderful uh temperature gravity isochronism were virtually unaffected however temperature still winds up being the biggest factor so we've got which is interesting when you think about all the things that that how how stable quartz is that they were so focused on refining the process that a material that is virtually unaffected by temperature yeah that's their focus yeah that's right that's right how good is is this movement already that they're worried about something that only only kind of affects it and so we're talking about we're talking about very accurate movements that in the 70s 80s and 90s are getting as good as 20 seconds per day with anecdotal variation that that's even better than that so not 20 seconds per day 20 seconds per year mm -hmm. so even with full mm -hmm. with unthermocompensated quartz movements were super duper accurate and an emerging technology that's that's the most impressive thing to me is an emerging technology that's still not fully understood still not fully fully 
throughout the market, still not adopted and and pushed by everyone, we're dealing with the most efficient, the most accurate watches in the world. That That's right. That's right. Super duper accurate, crazy accuracy, wonderful stuff. But us being human, we can do better. We know we can do better. We have to do better. And it makes sense that this technology, primarily coming out of Japan, is focusing on getting better. Smaller, more accurate, mo better. Mo better. And I think that's, that's, I mean, obviously the Japanese created the Quartz Watch and there was the reason for the Quartz Crisis, but I think the reason Quartz was so effective and remains so effective is because that's so much of the identity of Japanese manufacturing. Smaller, better, faster, mo better. So before we move on to thermal compensation, can can I uh, can I make a point? I don't know. I mean, it's is I, it going to be a good point? I feel like it's my podcast a little bit. I mean, and yours equally, mine and yours. But but I feel like it's my podcast. So if I want to make a point, I should just do it. Maybe I mean, we are the co-hosts. Should you run it by me? Should we should well, we take a stop? And... I'm running it by you right now. Okay, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so we we tend to talk in binary, right? Um, we tend to talk about watch stuff in binary, right? So you've got mechanical, you've got quartz. And, and and mechanical is mechanical and quartz is something different. It's it's electronic. It doesn't have a soul. You know, there there's watches with souls and there's quartz watches. However, this is the point I'd like to make. He just gave the very sassy waggy finger waggy to y'all. Waggy finger. This is waggy. Uh, uh, uh... I'm going to step out on a limb and say a quartz crystal oscillation is mechanical. A quartz crystal is a mechanical oscillation. You are whacking. So when you take a tuning fork, you whack it. Bump. And it goes until it stops. And then you whack it again and it keeps doing it. And that's what and that's what Bulova did is they, they're whacking with an electrical signal this tuning fork that's what Bulova did they were they were whacking it they were using an electromagnet to repel the tuning fork and then also applying current to the electromagnet to at a constant rate whack this thing i don't think you're going that far out on a limb it's i don't know not. that you're going on a limb at all i think i think the reason for the divide is important for definition in in, in describing the the type of it the is. type of motor. I mean, it's it's a diesel conventional. It, right? it is. It, it and, is an important distinction. But I, I do agree with you in, in trying to uh, draw a similarity um, between a mechanical and a quartz movement in the sense that a quartz movement is mechanical in its own way. I mean, in, in a way, it's not in its own way. It's mechanical. It's it's a machine that is running. Um, but I think that that line to be drawn is important because... Quartz watches are not soulless. Well, I mean, they are soulless. No, this, but, they're not. But in they're the not. same the, exact the quartz, way that a mechanical was, watch is The quartz is was grown like a human. Right. It was grown. <laughs> okay. Nothing in a mechanical watch is grown. You're giving it organic properties. It has organic properties. It okay. grew. <laughs> okay. But I, I think... I, so you're arguing that a quartz watch has more soul. No, I'm arguing that they have soul. I, I think to say that a mechanical watch has more soul just because a person took a file and shaved down all these little pieces to fit it together. And a quartz watch had a crystal grown. I, I just, I, I yeah. take issue with saying that quartz watches are soulless just because they're not typically as decorated a, a movement. 
you, you t- don't typically get exhibition case backs on quartz watches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get to manually wind it or wind it with your wrist. Those are not reasons for it to not have a soul. The same amount of time and effort has gone into quartz movements as has gone into mechanical movements in the development. I don't say like not yeah, every yeah. not every mechanical movement that's out there right now. Individually, yes, it's getting more attention from a person than a quartz movement. Quartz movements are angels with with dirty souls. Yeah, they're they're brought down from heaven and dropped into your watch and will power it forever. So we've got this crystal. Now we've got this crystal. 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 <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> did you? You almost spit coffee. I did. It's awesome. So now we've got this crystal that we're whacking. We're whacking it and making it vibrate. We're making it flex at thirty-two thousand seven hundred sixty-eight hertz. Hertz thirty-two k. Uh, thirty-two kilohertz, which is just extremely accurate. And the other thing about a quartz crystal is it creates a tone. So now we've created a tone, a, a sine wave if you will mm-hmm. and and you, you know oscillations it, it, it's a resonant frequency so it's the same function as a as a trumpet a trumpet if you blow into a trumpet it's got a natural resonant frequency so you, you blow harder you blow softer you're getting that same sine wave the same wave in in different in different variations um and, and a trumpet is going to also create harmonics Oh, harmonics. Word. And harmonics are the different tones you hear. So when you blow into a trumpet, you get a lot of harmonics. You blow into a, a flute, also has a regular resonant frequency, but it's a lot more pure tone. A trumpet, lots of noises, lots of sine waves. And then you get some gargles from the spit. A flute, you get fewer waves. It's a purer tone, right? A tuning fork, even more pure. We've got this to the next level we've turned it up to 11 or perhaps we've turned it up to 111 because all of a sudden we are very pure very few harmonics and we've got a crisp long lasting tone so 32 kilohertz for a very long time we don't have to whack it very hard we don't have to whack it very often that's where you apply your battery you apply your battery in a regulated off and on you vibrate that crystal, it spits out 32 kilohertz. We step that down 14 times till we've got a second per, a beat per second. Boom. Quartz movements. Still affected by, still affected by temperature. So what happens is we, we in the 90s start developing, 80s and 90s, excuse me, start developing thermocompensation to get it better. 20 isn't good enough for me. I want five. Cosk used to be COSC, uh, Cosk um, standard, used to be 60 seconds. I think until 2001, they changed it. Now, it needs to be 20 seconds per year, SPY, and thermocompensated. To be Cosk certified, quartz movement, 20 seconds, and thermocompensated. And there's a bunch of ways people do this. One is you don't have a tuning fork crystal at all. You have an AT cut, a thing you can look it up don't ask me, with super fast oscillations, very, very fast oscillations. They go so fast that they create a, it's not thermocompensated. It's just much more accurate. But these crystals were outrageously expensive. Outrageous. Like today's dollars, you you, you know, $80,000 watches, 60 to $80,000 watches. Worth it. 
<laughs> not worth it right so so rolex also at the same time develops their oyster quartz mm -hmm. which, which is not an at cut it, it's a tuning fork but they use an analog frequency regulation they they regulate by way of an analog device that frequency to compensate um kind of old technology not really great very cool and you know if rolex is going to make quartz movement it's going to be beautiful and it was discontinued in 2001 so good luck finding one then we come up with digital correction so we use a digital thermistor i think is what you call it which takes the temperature it's a thermometer and applies that to your output to regulate it so oh it's really hot i'm gonna change the i'm gonna i'm gonna adjust the output digitally becomes very accurate this is great all of these systems have some issues mm -hmm. in particular you're relying on an external source seiko then once again seiko our good friends invent the twin quartz movement which we've talked about before mm -hmm. twin quartz solves this problem by taking two different frequency quartz crystals they have a thirty-two thousand, just like everybody else and then they have another frequency crystal a higher frequency crystal and it uses the delta between those crystals to tell it what the temperature variation is and to adjust the output digitally so crazy this is all happening inside a watch in real time <laughs> in real time right can you imagine it's crazy i'm trying to imagine that's the issue it's like is... little little tiny elves <laughs> that are in a control room well all the all the self-diagnostics all the self-recalibration that occurs in a quartz watch or that can occur in a quartz watch is so impressive to me so impressive yeah, not just thermal compensation but then you get you know, we'll get into this when we get a little bit further but the the uh gear positioning detector in in longines vhp mm -hmm. it, diagnostics well, calibration all happening in real time well and i think that that kind of sums up my sort of segment of the show and i'll turn it over to you and i'm sorry i've used up so much time but um i'll, I'll turn it over to you at this point but i want to give a shout out to an article called thermal compensation methods and movements uh, I think that this is an article by a fellow named Bruce Redding, and he was a former moderator, or, or I think former, there's a paren question mark, former moderator of the High Accuracy Quartz subforum on Watch You Seek. Okay. Bruce Redding and George Palast, Palast put together this article. It is incredible, and it's sort of been archived, um, but if you search quote thermal compensation colon methods and movements you'll find this article and it's incredibly dense and they, so i'm gonna credit them and they've credited four different websites and a lot of people there's just not enough time we'd, we'd, we'd be crediting people all day i'm gonna give them credit go to them for the credit that they give but the article is long and crazy and hard to read and really good really good if you want to know more about this stuff and with that i'll let you take over and it seems like you were going to start to talk about the vhp uh and i think that would be a wonderful place to start sort of but first i want to talk a little bit about the differences between <laughs> japanese and Vito. swiss quartz movements yeah do it man so one of the things that's always uh, kind of been a mystery to me is the um stories the heritage behind swiss movements and i haven't 
ever really been a, really been able to fully grasp why, right? I mean, I get Swiss watches are typically luxury watches. They're very well made. They're more often than not, I mean, virtually works of art in within the watch world. So when the Swiss started dipping their toes into quartz watches, it raises some questions for me because quartz watches, though they're a work of scientific art, they're not necessarily the same craftsmanship work of art that you're going to get out of a mechanical watch, right? They're just just by the nature of what a quartz watch watch is, right? They're less they're less reliant on the the quality of craftsmanship that went into the metal pieces, right? And that's so so by that nature, um, the the question that kind of drove my my research was why is a Swiss quartz watch so much more expensive than a Japanese quartz watch? And why does it matter? We're, we're working with virtually the same technology. They're all going in the same direction as trying to reach that five second per year threshold. And some of them achieved it in, in both Swiss and Japanese watchmaking. But but what's the difference? What What's really there that's different? And And where I've kind of come to is is breaking quartz watches down into a I, I'll, I'll say two categories repairable serviceable not repairable serviceable and the main component of that repairable serviceable or not repairable serviceable reparable repairable repairable I think that's fine uh, the, the main difference between those two categories is in composition of components whether they're using plastic or metal but then when you dive a little deeper even metal quartz movements, though they are repairable and serviceable, there's not a incentive to do so. And, and the technology is developing faster than the incentive to replace. Right. right. Uh, let's, let's take your phone, for example. When you break your phone screen, do you replace it or do you just get a new phone? Well, I replace it, but yeah, well, we're, we're a little bit different types of people, <laughs> but like, so for me, for example, my, when my iPhone battery goes bad, I pay the 50 money and I get a new battery because I don't need anything different about the phone. I just need a new battery. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what we're coming down to. And I think that's actually a really good example of, of a, a quartz watch and movement. It's just, it's just popping out the movement, giving you a new watch. So one of the, one of the, one of the things that I pulled down, <clears throat> the Longines VHP. Very high precision. And this was introduced at Basel in 2017. Yeah, so a a relatively new watch. And we're going to talk a little bit about it, but just as an example, this is a metal movement, repairable, serviceable movement. Uh, A watch you seek user, which will have a link to his article, um, needed it. Do you uh, know his name? I don't remember his name because I wrote it down. I sent you the link. You're the fucking worst. You'll get get show note credit, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Regardless, he he reached out to Longine for a service on his movement, and Longine recommended just popping out and putting a new movement in because yeah. it, the the economics of it aren't worth it to pull apart that entire mess of circuitry, just replace the movement. So when we get down to it, the the difference between a good or bad or winner or loser or however you want to frame it, quartz isn't even in its serviceability or repairability. It comes down to what it can do during its lifetime because all watches have a lifetime. Mechanical watches have a lifetime. There's some that you're just not going to be able to service. Hmm. The damage is too great. The parts are too worn. You're you're going to get to a point where you have a restored watch, maybe, but it doesn't have original parts. 
Yeah. Well, and you've got people who make these parts, right? Right. You've got people whose sole dedication is Elgin watches from the early 20th century, and they're actually fabricating replacement parts. And so and then, you can do that. You, you can. You, it can absolutely be done, but I, I think a, a reasonable comparison to draw is classic cars. Cars from the, yep. from the 20s that look as though they're in brand new condition likely have less than 20% original parts to them if, if even that many yeah of, of the mechanical bits certainly yeah. yeah so anyway back to it swiss versus japanese quartz movements and what we've got is a difference in in engineering and manufacturing ideologies here yeah it's so it's so cool how evident the philosophies that that encapsulate the two markets are evident in this quartz movements yeah and and what, what you see is swiss movements costing significantly more serving the same function having similar technology using metal parts and the the criteria for swiss made is very similar to american made well significantly less stringent though uh i i, for, I think it's like 40 percent I, uh, on the stamping, but when 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 you look at it, their their goal is to have all uh, so they can source from outside of Switzerland. But everything has to be done in Switzerland, you, you, so they have to assemble it in Switzerland. They have to install it in Switzerland, so they can outsource parts not n- differently than American made mm-hmm. the threshold. But it's all being done by Swiss fingertips, in, and, in the and way of small Chinese fingertips. Well, in the way of construction and assembly and installation. <laughs> Maybe not sourcing, maybe not manufacturing, but getting back to the Swiss ideology is is building works of art, building the storied uh, traditional watch parts. So you're gonna you're you're typically going to be working with metal, uh, oftentimes decorated, and carrying that Swiss beauty along with it. And then you look at Japanese quartz, smash it together, make it work, make it cheap. And let's get it out the door. And with the same 23-year or so lifespan. Yeah. The same 23 years out of the quartz movement, you're going to get out of the plastic Japanese movement. And the, the there's a few notable differences that we'll, that we'll bring up in, in specific movements. But generally speaking, that's the difference you're getting. You're getting um, manufactured for manufacturing's sake, for efficiency's sake. And you're getting manufactured for maintaining the Swiss uh, tradition yeah. sake. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference I can draw. And, and there's going to be exceptions to the rule. Okay. Of course. Beat down the door, bring your pitchforks, bring your, bring your uh, torches. But that's the big difference. Because, right, the Seiko 9F movement is perhaps the the simple, most beautiful, most sealed, uh, most efficient, pure quartz, I'm going to say pure quartz movement in the world. And, and that's Japanese, fully Japanese, the Seiko 9F. And you've got Eta movements that are not trash because they're good movements, but you've got Eta movements that are just manufactured for the purpose of plug it in a watch, power the watch. When it dies, it dies. Right. Rhonda, Rhonda, for instance, makes a ton of very affordable 20, 20-something dollar attractive but pretty simple quartz movements. And, and, and it's form over function, I, I think, is the general rule coming out of Swiss watchmakers and function over form coming out of Japanese watchmakers in, in the way of movements. And that's boiled down. That's as, that's as mm-hmm. simple as it's going to get. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into every example. 
because I, I think if we can boil it down to just the rule, we couldn't we couldn't go into every example, right? I mean, right. we simply <clears throat> could not. In I mean, we'd have to dedicate it. Uh, we'd have to dedicate weeks, months, perhaps to this. Maybe just our entire podcast. <laughs> so, all that being said, let's talk about some specific watches and their movements. Quartz, obviously. Yeah. Let's talk about those. Yeah. Let's start. Since we've already talked about it a little bit, the Longines VHP. Yeah. It's powered by the L2882, and it is plus or five, plus or minus five Plus seconds. or five, you said something stupid. I did say something <laughs> stupid. Finally, finally, plus or minus five seconds a year. And this dropped at Basel 2017. This is- Brand new. Brand new technology. And the most impressive part of it to me is what we've talked about already- the diagnostics and self-regulation that occur in real time in this ultra high accuracy watch. We've got they've upped the ante. We've got the gear positioning detector, which recalibrates it. it not only monitors the watch because because already it's a thermal compensated quartz movement that's as accurate as anything in the world. Already, it, it's it's tied for the most accurate watch in the world. The what the Citizen A six sixty is that is that the movement? Yes, just, yeah, yeah. It matches it, but what it's got is already the most accurate. And just in case you find a way to fuck this up, it'll fix itself. Up the ante after magnetization, after shocks, it'll identify. Oh, hey, we're a little out of sync. We're we're plus or minus seven a year let's fix this and it will recalibrate itself to get back on time and, and you know my favorite part about the longine vhp is that they offer it in watches that you and i could afford yes yes it, it's the one movement that i think we're going to probably spend any time on in the next 20 minutes or so that is affordable for you and me it, it is and it, it, it's got a perpetual calendar that's good to 2100 that's the year 2100 i can't wait till that year it's all Swiss made and you're going to get some, I mean, you're, you, generally speaking, you're going to pay about a thousand dollars for a watch with this in there, mm. but it's available. You and I could. Y- yeah, buy- that's right. A thousand bucks is, is a lot of money, but, but it's totally accessible. We could do it. It's, yeah. And they look good. It's not just a, it's not a, just a throwaway. It is a beautiful watch yeah. for a thousand dollars. Beautiful movement, obviously, because it's coming out of Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cutting edge of technology and, and sort of flagshipy and and but potentially one of the most technologically advanced movements on the market how cool is that yeah it's 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 pretty you're it's not pretty incredible you're not gonna get a cutting edge technology mechanical movement for a thousand dollars yeah no, you just aren't you, you're you're not yeah i, I mean you're i think i think um threshold to entry for uh grand seiko 9f is um, four thousand bucks or so, and but damn. So so next on my list. Well, what have you got before well, I before I hog this all? Well, no, you you're it's your time to it's your time to hog. But can we talk about the uh, the redheaded stepchild, the bull of a precisionist? Can we please? Because I love it. Because that you can get a precisionist for for even less than a launch for two hundred fifty bucks. That's right. So, it, but it's different, right? It is. It's different. It's different than all of these. It accomplishes accuracy uh, not by way of thermal compensation or uh, they just uh, let's they make, make it, it a non-issue. Let's make it go faster. Yeah, let's 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 up that ante again. They and just, just make it go faster. Yep. 
Let's make it go 262 kilohertz, which is something like eight or nine times as fast as a baseline 32768 um, movement, and and deal with the and deal with the instability in that manner. And and when we do that, we've also got the ability to make it sweep smoother than any other mechanical movement that's ever existed the only watch that sweeps smoother is going to be a spring drive a spring drive that's right that's right because it's it really is sweeping and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because you can't tell the difference right the human eye can't tell the difference between a 262 kilohertz and a spring drive i mean you just just it's invisible right maybe if you put it in a loop or you put it on slow motion or whatever but who cares that's stupid i can't detect it with my eyeballs you can't you can't also plus or minus five seconds per month. Different. Different. That's that's so not as accurate. That's not as accurate. Um, but a minute a year, people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think these precisionist movements are super intriguing. Uh and I think it's it's a shame almost that we're not talking about them more. Cause we should be. But yeah. you know why we're not? Because they're in Bulova's. Bulova, fuck you. We've had a number of offers to um to to invest in the Bulova acquisition. We we are in negotiations right now. We're still a few billion short. Well, I think they're a few billion high. <laughs> we're we're trying to get them down to what's in my wallet currently, which is a button for some <laughs> reason. Who has buttons in their wallet? We're, we're still short. We're and, still short. Yeah. So Free what's, sandwich though? What, what's next? I mean, uh, okay, so. So we're through the Longines. We're through Longines. We're through the Precisionist. Let's get into the Spring Drive. Boom. The only note I wrote next to Spring Drive, come on. Come on. What they've been able to accomplish in this movement is stunning. Well, and can you, so so to, 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 take, to take it away and then I'll give it back. Is this a pure quartz movement? It's not. So tell me about so, why it's not. Oh boy. Okay. He just scratched his head furiously. Spring drive is, I'm willing to argue, the next step of ultra-accurate timekeeping. I think that this is going... With how impressive spring drive technology is, how relatively easy it is to accomplish, it will be shocking to me if we don't see spring drive technology emerging in other watch brands in the relatively near future. Spring drive technology is a combination of mechanical technology and quartz technology, similar to a mecha quartz in the way that they combine the two technologies. But what we're dealing with here is a winding function that is releasing tension, powering your quartz crystal, and keeping time. In the simplest of terms, any more than that, and it's going to blow my mind because reading about it, it just blows my mind. It's it's such a simple, elegant solution to accurate timekeeping. It's combining the best qualities, the most attractive qualities of both functionalities and marrying them and producing a beautiful movement that does exactly what we want it to do. But so here's my question to you, and you know more about spring drive than I do. So so tell me this: Why is it that it's better? Because it seems to me that it's possible that it's purely romantic. 
that that the 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 spring drive movement in and of itself is purely romantic we want a way to accurately to make a mechanical movement more accurate why not why not go um the the longine or or perhaps the bulova method and and make it more accurate just by inherently increasing the beauty of the quartz movement I, I think it is purely romantic. I think the reason they kept the spring drive technology is so that you get that beautiful... So you're not getting a sweep. You're getting a consistent rotation. It, there, there isn't a bounce. There isn't a, there isn't a hundred uh, ticks a second. It's a consistent unwinding of the spring. And I, I think it is a purely romantic thing, but the... the technological achievement in combining those two is i think the the beauty of it and what's so fascinating is that it was accomplished by the japanese and not the swiss this seems like a swiss solution to a quartz problem right because it's so it's so sort of over the top ridiculous yeah it, it is and and the the beauty of these movements, just in and of themselves, you could put them in a display case. Never mind what Seiko's, what Grand Seiko is doing in the way of 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 dressing these movements. But it, it really seems to me a Swiss solution that was pioneered and is now being exploited, exploited in 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 a good sense, capitalized yeah. on. Maybe it'd be a better word by Grand Seiko because it's it's pure. It's it's not the most practical solution. It's right? not. It's it's a completely impractical solution because you can accomplish the same for the most part. You know, with the precisionist style of movement, with just ultra high beat, accurate timekeeping. But instead, they decide to combine these two technologies, give you the manual wind that you want, mm-hmm. give you that that automatic feel, that mechanical feel, with all the accuracy of quartz. I love it. I love them. Yeah. I want one so bad. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a pretty neat movement. Uh, I'd love to know more about it. Um, but but today, that's all you get, guys. We're going to move on. And if I'm wrong, which I probably am, let us know. For those of you who know more about it than we do, weigh in. Let us know. But that's the best way I can describe what I think I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's <clears throat> right. Well, so so why don't we shift to the other to the other sort of um, best best in class uh, another Japanese company competing really with Longines for for most accurate citizen citizen yeah Miyota yeah and they just dropped their most accurate watch the A six sixty. And, and well, and the A six sixty has been around since approximately two thousand, I think. But but they continue to up the ante mm-hmm. in terms of the like Longine, the the sitting on top of the movement adjustments. Mm-hmm. But the A six sixty in and of itself is a thermal compensated quartz movement, right? Yeah. What I take issue with accurate to plus or minus five seconds per year. Yeah. What I take issue with though, what they just put it in is. Ten thousand money. It's super expensive. It's a flagship watch for them, and, well, and it has been since the mid nineties. Yeah, it's just so expensive. It's expensive. I can get a Longine for less. Yeah, you know, I I think that that they're making it a flagship in in, in a calculated way. I, I probably doesn't make sense for them to not also offer. Well, it for for my part, it seems possible that they could offer this movement, which probably is retail price under a hundred dollars they could offer this movement in in a more uh accessible watch and and i think it's deliberate that they don't 
the Chronomaster. Sorry, if you want to look this up, Citizen Chronomaster, right? Is that right? Chronomaster mm-hmm. um, is is I think the one of the only watches that you can get the A six sixty movement in it, and and it's expensive. Maybe we should buy some of these movements and build a couple watches from the ground up. I I think we could. I think we could. I don't think it would be impossible. It would be a pain in the ass, but I I think that's something we should explore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you were going to make a watch, it would be a fun way to get started. Because I do think you can buy them. I think you can get an A660 movement. We'll have to talk about this off air. This, okay. seems, like, this seems like something we could do. <laughs> Is this going to happen? All right. You might. Hey, you heard it here first. Stay tuned. Hot take. 40 and 20 is coming out with the A660. Uh, so, so I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'm not sure how much sense it makes to to beat on the A660, but to say Citizen, Citizen and Longines probably mm-hmm. are our peak game. If you're looking for a super high accuracy, yep. the most accuracy, most high accuracy watches you can, you can get those. Seiko also in a pure quartz form makes the 9F movement, mm-hmm. and the 9F movement is probably the most um capable stable long-term serviceable movement they've done a couple things that no one else does um they've sealed they've sealed it vacuum sealed the movement internally mm-hmm. um so that it's less you know you can change the battery and not expose the sensitive crystal and bits to dust yeah. grease oil natural environmental stuff um but but I wonder, I, I mean, I think that in reality, this is uh, um, lipstick on a pig, which is not to say it's a pig because it's beautiful. But I don't know that y- you're not getting any extra time because the service interval is basically the same, right? Mm-hmm. And they've said it's more. I think that they said because we've sealed it in this way, this is going to last longer, upwards towards twice as long, maybe a little bit more than that. But I mean, any any watch, basically anything you own, the service regularity is going to come along with care. Well, I think that's right. But I think what they've done is that they have um, they have eliminated some of those care obstacles by sealing the cabin. And and, and the other thing the nine F does that I, that I think nothing else does, um, no other quartz movement does, is you, you know because Grand Seiko is known for these big sort of steel doffing hands it is instead of having it beat once they actually use two crystals to make it beat twice per second and and, and it doesn't look like a half second interval it's still just a, a one second interval um but at that one second it actually forces it by way of two oscillations which gives it some extra um some extra ass as you would mm. say uh, n- now, there are widely varying anecdotal reports of how this works in practice. But in theory, it gives it more ass and more accuracy. The VHP, uh, they're so confident in their accuracy that it takes uh, extra effort to adjust the minutes. The hour hand is what adjusts typically when you're when you're setting the VHP, oh, which was just normal rotations. You're not going to have to set the minutes once it's set. It takes micro turns to adjust the minutes. Oh, interesting. Normal turns adjust the hour. Very cool. That's some balls. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Last quartz movement that I want to talk about, and only briefly, it's a category. 
Mecha quartz. Mecha quartz. Yeah, I, I mean, this is sort of the this is sort of the like most commonplace application I think for most people to get into quartz movements when they're when they're looking when they're young collectors. I would say. And they're widely available in chronographs. Yep. Super affordable in chronographs. The VK64 is a $33 movement. Most watches that you're going to get the VK64 in are south of 300 bucks. They are Well, movement. they go anywhere from 300 to, you, you know, very excellent $1,500 watches. But you're going to be able to find watches powered by this movement That's right. in the sub $300 categories. Right. And... It's such a cool movement. It uses quartz to power the primary functionality and a mechanical operation to or to uh, to power the the chronograph function. So you're going to get a, a really accurate chronograph function coming from a mechanical movement and the longevity and accuracy of a quartz movement for your primary timekeeping. I absolutely love mecha quartz. They look so cool. You're also going to get the flyback more often than not. In this, in these mecha quartz movements, so you're not going to get the, the sweep like you're going to get out of a typical quartz chronograph. You're going to get that fly back to zero, and I dig it. Yeah, no, I mean it's incredible technology, and, and it's really just mechanical chronograph, 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 chronograph set on top of a quartz movement. I mean it's the most obvious dumb thing possible, and I love them. Yeah. And I say most obvious dumb as if I could have thought of it at lunch, but... Well, you could have because it's not complicated. It's you're like, oh, I know how I'm going to combine these two technologies. I'm just going to smash them together. <laughs> like, it's not... Like, it's I know not how I'm going to eat my chips and sandwich at the same time. I'm put my chips in my sandwich. Problem solved. It, no greasy fingers. It's not as elegant as the spring drive, for instance. It's, it's significantly less elegant, but but it's it was just that like oh shit, this is awesome idea yep. uh, that, that once again Seiko capitalized on. You, you, you know, to, to sort of back you up before you talk a little bit more about the Mecha Quartz, because I'm sure you're going to want to. Um, Seiko, you, you know, that 1964 Olympics, they introduced this time-keeping methodology, uh, r- really, you know, and, and I say introduced, they didn't introduce it, but they refined it to such a degree that it was, you, you know, by orders of magnitude, smaller and <clears throat> better. But they also, you, you know, by way of the developments that they made in, in preparing for that, introduced the first portable printer, mm-hmm. introduced the Epson company, essentially, that's the roots of the Epson company. They... Um, introduce LCD technology. They, you, you know, and, and eventually these things lead to to the development of the spring drive and, and everything else. You, you, you know, it cannot be overestimated the amount of import to that one that one development. You know, you know, and it's not that it was a singular development, but that singular piece of the Seiko story. How important this was to not just watches or clocks but and timekeeping generally but to electronics Mm -hmm. i mean they did a thing and 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 we cannot underestimate the import to that thing agreed shall we move on to other things unless you have anything else we are cutting it close on time we're we're over and 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 so let's take a couple minutes just to go over because i think i think you can skip forward a couple minutes if you want this is when you do the 30 second advance if you want but i think six times i think it's important to say that you, you know we've talked about mostly very cool 
very cutting edge quartz movements in the show. But I want to be very clear about one thing. The shittiest quartz movement, the cheapest, nastiest 650 on Esslinger quartz movement is going to have a 23-year life interval. Mm -hmm. It's going to cost you nothing. And it's going to perform at a very high level. Yeah. A very high level. Quartz movements, because of the nature of the oscillation, that quartz crystal oscillation, are really very bulletproof. They're very bulletproof. And and so... Not bulletproof. Well, of course not literally bulletproof, but but my (laughs) point is that you you do not gain all that much when you get a VHP or a a 9F. No, you really don't. I I mean, just practically speaking, you don't gain very much. Um, and, And so when you are looking for... When you're looking for quartz watch, I wouldn't spend a ton of time worrying about this. I would... I would find a watch that you're going to love. Mm-hmm. I would find a watch that's going to meet your needs because we haven't even talked about digital modules. No. I mean, we just didn't do it because it's impossible, right? I mean, the amount of movements available exceed my brain's ability to to sort. I mean, I just at some point, I think I texted you last night. It was like, I can't, I can't even process how many movements there are. I think the goal for today's show was... To say, oh, if you're looking for a quartz movement, here's what to look for. The answer for me wound up being, don't fucking worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, you, you know, because there's a number of movements. And we haven't even talked about all the cool ones. There's You, you said, holy shit, didn't know what I was getting us into. <laughs> you, you know, there's the Breitling Super Quartz, which we oh. didn't talk about. Omega Mega Quartz. And we, um, we just... Maybe we'll do a whole, we'll do a part two to this. You, you know, a couple of movements that I noted that are known for their repairability. Edit twenty fifty two, excuse me, Edit two five two series. Uh, Rhonda makes the StarTech line, which is the fifty thirty slash fifty forty. Not thermal compensated. They're they're uncompensated quartz movements, but extremely. You're still getting thirty seconds or better a year. Metal, easy to service. Also, the Eta nine fifty five nine fifty six line is known for being serviceable and and beautiful. Um, But even even under that, you you know, very common movements: the Ronda seven fifteen Li, the Ronda fifty twenty one, which is what which is what. Filson, not Filson. Um, Shinola uses the the Argonite fifty twenty one. Um, these are and Argonite's what they call it in house, right? That's right. That's yeah. their quote unquote in house quartz movement. Um, these are just simple, run of the mill movements that are that are great. That are great. They may not be super serviceable or super beautiful, but they cost three fifty two. Literally three dollars fifty two cents. Twenty ish bucks, I think, for a lot of these to the general public. Um, you, you know, Timex, Timex makes a ton of basic shitty movements in the Far East and they're gonna last for a very long time. They're gonna outlast the first battery. And then they break and they break and and you're probably done and you either try to find another one or, or not. You get a new watch. Uh, interestingly, Timex, who I suspect sells as many quartz movements a year is just about anybody else in the world minus maybe casio yeah um timex when they reintroduced the q timex which as you guys will know the q timex was timex first foray into the quartz world Mm -hmm. they reintroduced that this year if you haven't heard where Um, why are you listening to this podcast (laughs) 
when they reintroduced this, they used a Seiko movement. They used a fairly run-of-the-mill Seiko quartz movement, the PC-33, which is one of a ton of movements that Seiko or Hattori, Mm -hmm. Seiko's quartz movement branch, um, uses in watches, right? So, So there are good quartz movements. There are less good quartz movements. And then there are, you know, the middle of the quartz movement world is tremendous. Mm -hmm. The middle is is almost the whole band. And then on top of that, you've got special movements. But you gain so little at such a high cost for these special movements that the takeaway for me is don't worry about it. Buy a watch that you like. Buy a watch watch you're going to wear. Uh, it, you know, and and if not, if you want one of these cool watches, do your research, have some fun with your purchase, enjoy what you have. Uh, but but if you're buying a quartz movement, just know it's got a 23-year service interval. Maybe get a spare, I don't know, and keep it hermetically sealed. I'm not sure. But yeah, so that's it. Other things you like, go. This week I'm going to do something a little different with other oh things that I like. Oh boy. <clears throat> I'm going to do something I don't like. That's not allowed. It's, it's allowed this week. So over the last year, I've received two emails from streaming service providers that say, in the next year, we will no longer support your smart TV on our streaming service. And that's bothersome to me. Got it first from Hulu. So now I have to use my PlayStation to run Hulu, which is whatever. I just have to change inputs, which is a pain in the ass because unlike Netflix, where I can just push the button on my TV remote and problem solved. But I got that email from Amazon this week. Hmm. Amazon sent me the email. Hello, as of September of this year, which isn't far away, we will no longer support your smart TV on our streaming service. Hmm. But... When I got the Amazon one, I was also a little excited because I got a $25 credit for a Fire Stick device. Right. So I got a Fire Stick. It's coming in the mail this week. And I'm very excited to try it out. Mostly because I've seen Kim watching Fire Stick with headphones plugged into the remote. I don't watch head I don't wear headphones when I watch TV because I watch TV. The sound comes through the TV. I'm so excited to watch TV with headphones in plugged into the remote. So in the next week, I'll have a Fire Stick and I'll have all my streaming services back available to me through my TV. So I'm kind of excited about it. But what's what's the deal? This isn't an old TV. This is like a 2014 TV. You, you know, I've, I've oftentimes wondered at the utility of a smart TV. I mean, I mean, I get not having to have a separate device, but when a Roku, when the most advanced Roku on the market is 60 bucks, I've oftentimes wondered at the utility. Do you Roku? I use Roku. Oh, no. So I might not have a headphone remote. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's fuck. That's possible. I'm not sure. It's a ah. Roku. <laughs> you just, now it's really something I don't like. Oh, no. Damn. You, you know, I, I mean, the utility is is minimal, I think. Uh, and, and when we bought our last TV, I went used. I went to the used market and bought, a, you know, a two-year-old top-of-the-line TV. And, and just this week, I noticed a black line. And, and so I've had to sort of start thinking about what TV do I buy? Do I want 4K? What do I want? I'm in that boat because I have a five-year-old plasma and some ghost images remain Yeah. for, for a while. Even when I do the screen wipe, it... And we bought it kind of at the at the peak of the plasma or LCD. That time I put the big dong on there and turned the brightness up when you're on vacation. And left it up for a whole week. So now I just have this weird 
big big dong shadow on everything that I watch, which is really strange when I'm watching like Lego movies with my four year old. Um, he doesn't quite understand why it's there. He just assumes that all television shows have that watermark, but someday he'll learn. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a weird thing, man. Uh, smart TVs, I've always sort of been anti, but having not really used one, um, I, you, you know, I, I can't say that for sure, but the thing that occurred to me when when I first started thinking about this was that likely the software you're going to get from LG or Samsung or whoever whoever it is that makes your smart TV is going to be less supported, harder mm-hmm. to update firmware, um, and, and just generally less capable than an independent, a $50, $60, or, or hell, $25 Fire Stick. You, you know, Amazon can just... Snap of their fingers, kick you out a firmware update. And that's what they're doing. And, and, and you know, that is, there, there's utility in that. You, you know, cameras, cameras. Uh, you guys know we like cameras. Um, but, you know, the, the worst thing about cameras is software. The software, the, 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 the user interfaces on cameras are notoriously terrible. Uh, sub menus and just bullshit and they're terrible um so yeah I, I've, I've oftentimes wondered about the utility this idea that they're no longer going to support your smart tv totally in my head clicks because now you've got to either get a new tv or get the device that you were going to have anyway i'm just not going to worry about it i'm going to continue using my roku which gives me sling and hulu and hbo and anything that i need not to mention netflix and amazon um yeah well what why why smart TV? Why smart TV? I don't want you. Well, I do want you. I like my TV, but I'm hopefully I'm I'm now gonna like my Fire Stick too. I've got another thing. Do me. When I was researching for watches, I found a video that will be linked below about how quartz movements work. It's a brand new video or fairly recent video, and this guy is a nerd and he's awesome, and he just it's a fun video. Uh, he puts flip flops on a chain and describes how you step down from 32 kilohertz to a beat per second that's my speed yeah he's, that's that's my kind of guy he he's hard to understand he's easy to understand um as he's talking about this fairly complicated issue so um but he linked me to a youtube channel called everything with a k everything two words this is a guy named don burgess uh, you can find his website. I, I recommend going to his website, domburgess.com. He is a um, producer, a science video maker. He produces a BBC show, but he also makes YouTube videos for the general public. And as of late, he's been making these cinematic, fun comedy. He calls it SciCom. Uh, science <laughs> comedy videos and it's fantastic he only has like 60,000 followers on YouTube which blows my mind if he keeps making videos of the quality he has that's gonna that number's gonna gonna leap very quickly but everything domburgess.com he talks about time travel and uh, going to Mars and wormholes and you know fun stuff and he does it in this very light-hearted approachable approachable way now i will say because of his dedication to be lighthearted and sort of comedic sometimes you you get lost in the sauce a little bit 
on the science, on the pure science of it. Uh, it, it can be a little hard to follow. Um, because Which is fine because I'm not smart. That's right. You're enjoying the video and enjoying the aesthetics and enjoying the the special effects, which he does a really good job of. Um, so so maybe not the most digestible in terms of a a brainy a, a nerdy brainy way, but it's a heck of a lot more fun. Yeah, I'm not gonna write my PhD off of his stuff. I'm just gonna you know indulge my curiosity. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else this week? I don't. We're going on a uh, we're going on a long ass time, so I think it's probably a good time to wrap it up. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Forty and Twenty. Please check us out on Instagram at Forty and Twenty. Also, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at Patreon.com/slash Forty and Twenty. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye bye. Bumming on Tremolo by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.